Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> All right, well, let's find us and find our place and get us a red book and let's stand together. Two hundred and four, two oh four. Let's stand together and sing this morning. Ready? <laughs> two oh four. You may just kick it off. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the light gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Their perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come. To the Father through Jesus the Son And give him the glory Great things he hath done Great things he hath taught us Great things he hath done And great our rejoicing Through Jesus the Son But purer and higher And greater will be I wonder our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Amen to that. God deserves all the glory, but he has done some great things. Amen. Hey, I mean, I can tell you, I can test, if we wanted to have a testimony time, I could testify to some great things he has done for me. Amen. I wonder about you this morning. If you were called upon to testify this morning, could you testify that God has done some great things for you? Amen. What? Amen. Okay. A few of us have. Amen. That's good. I'm glad he's done it for a few of us. Amen. Uh, prayer requests this morning. Yes. Oh, the families that just 
were killed on the job this week. Um, I don't know their names, or I don't remember one of their names. Um, the one at the sales car place, um, I worked with one of the girls, and her boyfriend was one of them. And she now, what happened? I don't even... It's in Oklahoma. Okay. It's like trail, trail, railroad or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but they were working in a train car, and... I don't know what happened if, like, they got locked in there or what, but um, they were found dead. Oh, mercy. <clears throat> yep. We'll let their families up in prayer for sure. Yes. Anybody else? Prayer request? Yes. Yay, me. Yay, me. You're older. Another year older, 52. I had a comment on Facebook that said, I wanted to grow old with you, but you're already old. Yep. Too late for that. Grow ancient with me. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Well, I just want to say I'm very thankful that the Lord has let me live this long. And I hope he lets me live a lot longer. But uh, anyway, he sure has blessed me. God has been awful good to me. And uh, I just want to praise his name. Thank God for the greatest gift I ever got. When I was seven years old, I got I got salvation. And uh, I'm, I've been unpacking it ever since. Amen. And I'm so grateful to what God has done. And I'm so grateful that God has blessed me with a pastorate. I'm so glad that, that God has blessed me with a, a church full of people that love him. And, uh, and I'm just excited for the future. I'm excited to see what God has in store for us here. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm very thankful to be here. Very thankful, and uh, I just uh, I want to lift up just just a number of my friends that I know are struggling and going through some things. I ain't got to call their names. God knows who they are, but uh, I just I just pray for them that God to give them healing and closer back to Him. Um, any others? Yes. Right. Amen. And also in discussing with her, you know, the last days of her husband's break or whatever, there's some indication there that he very well may have been saved himself. Right. That was what Bonnie was sharing with me Wednesday night. That's that's, you know, that's. I was telling her sometimes there's not much to go on, but but sometimes it's, it's enough that maybe give us some hope. Some sure. Things in your head. Have just trying to get some discussion with him, you know, before he became sick, that indicated okay he had a background at least in knowledge, and then some things of his last days and whatever that she was hoping. Amen. Well, we just praise God and rejoice over that. Uh, amen. It's always, always, huh? <laughs> right. Well, praise God. Praise God for salvation of a soul. Amen. Anybody else? Anything? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. Praying for his salvation. Her son Robert. He's how old, Robert? Eighteen. 
49. Yeah, pray for his salvation. Anybody else this morning? Okay. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless the offering and uh, and pray for God to bless the message. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Songbook, turn to number 52. Number 52. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, for our sins he suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows, love unbounded, wonderful, deep, and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reign us forever and ever. Crown him, crown him prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Amen. As we were talking about in Sunday school, he deserves all our praise. Amen. Number one, number one, all hail the power of Jesus' name. We talked about that two Sundays ago, didn't we? Amen. The exousius and the dunamis. Amen. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. 
Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Praise God. <clears throat> Turn to 113. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Is that the right one, sister, or is there two of them? Okay. <clears throat> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. 
watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Almost like we got on a theme today, huh? Praising God. Sometimes it just kind of happens like that. God just decides that's what he wants us to talk about today. And all the things just kind of line up and come together. God just has a way of doing things like that. One morning at daybreak, as the crowd slowly gathered, they were walking my Lord of Calvary's hill. So sad was his face that the birds hushed their singing like a sheep he was humble to his own father's will. I want to thank Jesus for the plan of salvation just to say, Lord, I love you for you understand. I want to be there on that great judgment morning just to kiss all the nail prints in his feet and his hands On the cross he was hung In shame and forsaken As they drove the cruel nails In his hands and his feet As death closed his eyes His cry went to heaven oh father forgive them my spirit receive i want to thank jesus for the plan of salvation just to say lord i love you for you understand I want to be there on that great judgment morning Just to kiss all the nail prints in his feet and his hands In the tomb he was laid, but death could not hold him He was God's only son in this world of sin On the cross he fulfilled The plan of salvation 
reject when he calls for he's coming again. I want to thank Jesus for the plan of salvation. Just to say, Lord, I love you for you understand. I want to be there on that great judgment morning just to kiss all the nail prints in his feet and his hands. Praise God. I don't guess I'd ever know that song if it wasn't for a little cassette tape I bought. One of my favorite preachers singing his favorite songs. And he'd recorded that song in nineteen sixty eight, I think, in a little in a little uh uh radio station broadcast, him and his wife singing together. Well, I'm sure I'm blessed I know that song. Amen. Plan of salvation. I'm so glad I'm saved, amen. Amen. I'm thankful for this fan, too. I just want to tell y'all, I appreciate that fan. Amen. Let's take our Bible turn to John chapter 17 this morning. And before I begin to embark on this, let me just say to you that I have a monumental task ahead of me. We are about to, uh, we're about to enter into chapter 17, which is from start to finish a prayer. It is the final prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples before he went to Calvary. It is deep. It is between Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and God the Father. And I don't know that human words can truly do it justice. I don't know that I can expound upon it any further and any better than it is in the Word of God. And so I come this morning with a, with a very monumental task in front of me, and I, and I pray that God use me this morning in some capacity because I feel very inadequate when I come to these Scriptures. But we're going to read this morning. I know you know the, the prelude to this very clearly, the walk from the upper room to uh, Gethsemane. And I, I began to look at a map this week, trying to discover exactly the path that he took. Of course, there are variations on it. People assume this way, that way. But the most practical path would be to leave the upper room, to go down the southern part of Jerusalem, go out the gate, and go up the Kidron Valley until he got to the Garden of Gethsemane right before he would cross the uh, the Brook Kidron. And, and if you... If you look, if you take your Bible and look there in chapter 18, verse 1, it says when Jesus had had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden into, the, into which he entered with his disciples. So we know that he prayed this prayer as they were approaching the Garden of Gethsemane. We don't know if it was on a hillside of the valley going in, going toward the Garden of Gethsemane or whether it was in the street, but we know that it was in the dark of night. 
We know that there was no one else around. It was just Jesus and his 11 at that time gathered in the gathered either in the street or on the hillside there. Jesus had just finished this long discourse which started with let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And you know what he proceeded to tell them. He proceeded to tell them how he wasn't going to leave them comfortless. And, and, and well, I don't need for me to go through all that. He told them it would be persecution and, and, uh, and that the Holy Spirit would do the work and that they would have power in his name. He tried to give them encouragement. He tried to give them direction. He tried to give them instruction. But at the end of it all, he told them, look, trouble's coming. But he started with let not your heart be troubled, didn't he? He, t- and all, he said all that to let them know, trouble's coming, but don't be troubled. So that seems odd. Don't be troubled, but there's trouble coming. But we find our peace in him. And that's what he was saying to them. You find your peace in me. And thou, And at the end of this, Jesus begins to pray. So let's read. I, I, I think we can do this. Um, we can do this just covering five verses this morning. There's 26 verses in this prayer. I'm not going to try to cover all that at one time. That would be foolish of me. John 17, verses 1 through 5. We'll read that, we'll pray, and we'll get into the message this morning. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is, etern- this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray this now, even now, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you would put your hand upon me. Lord, I pray for cleansing. I pray for forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you might make me a vessel, Lord, that you can use. Father, anything that would stand in the way, anything that would hinder, Lord, I I yield myself to you, Lord, and I ask for forgiveness and and I ask for fullness. I ask for for the filling of the Spirit of God. I pray for power. I pray for unction, Lord. Please breathe on me this morning. Use me for your honor and glory, Lord. You know my heart. You know my desire. Lord, it is to preach your word. Father, please give me the power that I need. Lord, please give, Lord, our folks here this morning the power that they need to receive what you have. Lord, all is vain except the Spirit of the Holy One come down, Father. And we pray for power in the Holy Ghost today as we read and receive the Word of God. Father, I pray for everyone that listens in to us this morning. Lord, that the Holy Ghost might touch them and open their understanding. Lead them to receive Jesus if they do not know Him. Draw them nearer if they do. Father, we just want you to be honored. We just want Jesus to be magnified. We just want you, Lord, to be glorified. Father, thank you that you love us like you do. Lord, that you've given us all you've given us. Lord, that we share in all that we share in because of Christ. 
Father, we love you, and we thank you now, and we'll give you the praise and the glory ahead of time. Father, move upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that the Son also may glorify thee. I want us... I want us to look, first of all, at the circumstances of the prayer. Again, the time which he prayed this prayer. <clears throat> he was giving his farewell to them. He was about to leave. I mean, just as soon as they finish this prayer, they cross the brook. They go into the garden. He goes, the Bible says, about a stone's throw away, and he asks them to wait and watch. And he goes and prays. And when he comes back, that's when they see torches. That's when they hear the sound of soldiers' feet. So understand, this is all coming to a conclusion. There's no more, there's no more fellowship time. There's no more enjoyment. There, there's no more time to learn at the feet of Jesus. This is coming to an end for them. They're about to see him be taken as they've never seen him taken before. They're about to see him go through cruelty as they've never seen before. They're about to have their entire world shaken, and Jesus Christ stops where he's walking, and he gathers them around him, and, the, and under the moonlight there in Jerusalem that night, Jesus lifts up his eyes unto heaven and begins to pray to the Father for them. <clears throat> he prayed it out loud where they could hear him pray. Let me say to you that it was a prayer after the sermon, and it was a sermon that he had delivered unto them as they walked. All during, all during chapter 14, all through chapter 15, all through chapter 16, it was a sermon. It was the last sermon that he would ever give to his disciples. He was giving it to them to instruct them, you know, to give them encouragement, to uplift them, to make them realize the power that he had imparted unto them, he was about to impart unto them. And so it was a prayer after a sermon. He had, he had spoke, he, uh, when he had spoke to God, uh, spoken uh, from God to them, he turned to speak to God for them on their behalf. Number two of that, let me just say to you, it was a prayer after a sacrament. They had eaten the Lord's Supper. They had taken of uh, the Lord's Supper, which represented, what? His blood and his body. And it was the closing prayer to that. <clears throat> It was a family prayer. His disciples were his family. You, said, you, you remember when they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. He said, who is my mother and who is my brethren? It was a family prayer. We're family. Amen? We're a church family. And they were a family, and they gathered together there in prayer. <clears throat> and he did it, and he, his doing it set an example for all of us that are leaders of our families, all of us who are, who are, who are leaders of any group, we are to pray for those who, who, who serve under us and serve alongside us. It was a parting prayer. Again, they were about to end their time on earth with Jesus. It was a prayer that was a prelude to his sacrifice, which he was now about to offer on earth. He mentioned this morning in Sunday school that he was both high priest and sacrifice. 
Jesus was praying. He was the high priest. He was about to offer up the sacrifice. It's amazing when you look at Christ and you see all that Christ is. It it, it truly is. It's mind-blowing when we understand the fullness of Almighty God. Not that we can ever understand it fully down here, but when we begin to see all that God has done and all that God did in order to bring us salvation, it's just it's an amazing thing. It was a prayer that was an example of his intercession too. Right now, this very instant, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's there, and the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. But this was an example of it. He went to the Father on behalf of his disciples. And then uh, secondly about the, this prayer and these words he spoke, it was an outward expression of his fervent desire in his heart. The Bible said he lifted up his eyes unto heaven. That doesn't sound like prayer, though, to us, does it? No, he should have bowed his head to pray. We get so used to bow your heads and pray, bow your heads and pray, that we forget that oftentimes people, uh, people are, they lifted up their eyes to heaven. Listen, you say, well, I shouldn't do that. That's not, that's not respectful. No, that, I've, I've prayed many times looking toward heaven. If you've not done that, I, I recommend you try it. There is nothing wrong with yearning for God. There is nothing wrong with praying in an earnest expectation, Oh, Father, I need this from Thee. But Jesus did that as an example, I believe, to show us, to demonstrate the lifting up of one's soul to God. But anyway, to the Scripture, to the Scripture. What did he say? Father. He cried to the Father. He called him Father. You and I are to direct our prayers the same way. Father. We cry, Abba, Father, we're his children, and we are to come to him. I can tell you that baby she's holding right there, when that baby's hungry, she cries out. She doesn't hesitate. Her belly's empty. She cries out. If she's uncomfortable, she cries out. You and I need to remember that we are to cry out. Jesus cried out to the Father. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he cried out and you know what he said he said father the hour is come the hour is come you know I, I when I think about Jesus heading toward the cross I can't help but, but think about it from my perspective if I were heading toward the cross, if you were, think about it from your perspective, if you were heading toward the cross, we would go with a sense of dread. We would go with a sense of fear. We would go with, with a, I mean, we, we'd literally probably have to be pushed up that hill, but not Jesus. When Jesus spoke the words, the hour has come, he did not speak it with dread. He did not speak it with, with, with hesitation. No, Jesus spoke it with anticipation. Father, the hour has come. He's excited for that hour. I'll give you some examples to show you that. John chapter 12, verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying. 
hath she kept this when he was in the home of Simon the leper? And Mary uh, took the, the splattered ointment and poured it over him. He said, Against the day of my burying, she hath kept this. He had it on his mind where he was going to. John twelve twenty three. Jesus, Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified, speaking of his death, burial, and his resurrection. John 13, 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He knew that his hour was come. He knew that he was approaching it. John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. John fourteen twelve. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. John fourteen twenty eight. I... Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. Luke twelve fifty. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened until it be accomplished? He's saying, I, I'm focused, I'm ready. I have that baptism to be baptized with. He was talking about the cross. He was talking about paying for sin. He knew that's where he was headed, and he was ready. He was ready to embrace it. Why? Because for the joy that was set before him, he, because of you and, you and you and you and you and you and me and all of us, he knew that we would have salvation through his sacrifice. And so our Lord did not have any hesitation. I know some preachers preach it like, oh, Jesus is dreading the cross. But no, my friends, Jesus was not dreading the cross. Isaiah 50, 6, 6 and 7, the Bible prophesying about Christ said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know I shall not be ashamed. There was no hesitation. There was no shrinking back. There was, I've got something that I have to do, and I'm ready to do it. Father, the hour has come. This doesn't sound like a man who's afraid at all. This sounds like a man who's ready. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Jesus was ready to face Calvary, to bring glory unto the Father, to be the sacrifice, to set men and women, boys and girls, free from sin, to fulfill the plan of the Father, which had been in place before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. It was all about to come to pass. It was all about to happen. And, and listen, since it has been in the knowledge of God from the beginning, from forever, from time beyond time, before time, 
Jesus looked with anticipation at this moment of glory. He called it glory. Man looked upon it and called it a shameful thing. But Jesus called it glory. Verse 2, he said, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. By the way, that word power there, that's exousius. He's given him authority over all flesh. Jesus is about to go to the cross, but what, what's on the mind of Jesus? It's not suffering. No. What's on the mind of Jesus is saving sinners. John six thirty seven through 39, the Bible said, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Jesus looked forward to the salvation of souls. Jesus looked forward to all that would come to him. And I, and I find that interesting where he says that, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, let me just say this before I go any further. I think most of us in here probably understand what the term Calvinism is. Would there be anybody that doesn't understand what Calvinism is? The idea or the, the, the teaching that, well, let me, let me just, let me, let me, let me back up a hair because I don't want to try to encapsulate all of Calvinism into this one statement. But there is something called hyper-Calvinism, which is taught. And in hyper-Calvinism, the teaching is that some people are destined to be saved, and they will be saved no matter what happens. They will be saved because they're predestined to be saved. And, they're just, and, and, and no matter whether they set out to live a little wicked life or not, they're going to get saved. There's nothing they can do about it. The, the hyper-Calvinist says God draws a circle around them, and, and there's no way they can get outside that circle and not be saved. Now, they also say there are some that are predetermined to be lost and there's nothing they can do. They, they wanted to get saved. They couldn't get saved because God predetermined them to be lost and go to hell and there's nothing they can do about it. That is the teaching of the hyper-Calvinist. Now, I am no hyper-Calvinist. I guess what you'd call me is a hypo-Calvinist. I'm at the other end of the spectrum. Now, I'm not, I'm not listen, I'm not, I'm not at the, of the opinion that, you know what, you can just get saved anytime you decide to get saved. You have to be drawn by the Spirit of God, okay? So in the, in the two ideas, again, I've said before, I sail between those two ideas. Those two ideas touch, and that's where we go is right between those two. I, yes, I believe in the sovereignty of God, but I also believe in the free will of man. But when Jesus says here that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, I, I want to, well, let me, let, me, let me just finish the thought that I was, I, I jumped ahead of myself. I, I skipped John ten twenty nine, which says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Truly, the Father gave them to Jesus to be, to be saved. But let's understand this before we go further from it. John, uh, turn to Romans eight twenty eight. Romans eight twenty eight. I, I know you probably know this, but just in case nobody's touched upon it lately, let's touch upon it and let's learn something from it in case we don't. Because I want you to understand this. 
I want you to understand this teaching, and I want to make sure that you understand it. Because, again, we're talking about Jesus saying all that the Father gives him, okay? Romans eight twenty eight. the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Okay, so we... I think we understand that part of it. Okay, but for for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he did foreknow. Foreknow is the key word there. God knew ahead of time who would be saved. Okay, before, you say, when did he know that? Well, he knew it before he ever made man to begin with. How how could he know that? He's God. Why would he make some people that would be lost? Because he wanted those who loved him to be with him, not just everybody, because some would not love him regardless. Why? Because there was to be sin in the world. Because sin came into the world... There needed to be a Savior. God knew all these things would take place. God knew Satan, Lucifer, would fall from heaven. God knew that man would be tempted, and God knew that man would sin. And so God knew that man would need a Savior. And because he knew man would need a Savior, he knew that some would believe on his son and some would not. And because God knows who will, and because God knows who won't, Therefore, there are some who are predestinated. There are some who are called the elect. There are some who are called the chosen. And that was not because God said, okay, you, 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 and you, and you, and you can be saved, and you, 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 and you cannot be saved. No, God knows who will, by the Spirit of God drawing them, come to Christ and believe on him for salvation. And he knows which one, when the Spirit of God tries to draw them, says, no, I don't want any part of that. And God knows they'll be in hell. So... For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Since God knows who will be saved, God has a plan for them to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God has a plan for them he knows would be saved in order for them to go and tell others about Christ and preach salvation, preach the message of reconciliation. Why? So that there might be more born into the family of God. And he said, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Because he had a plan, he knew they would be saved, and he called them unto salvation, and those he called, he justified. What does that mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Why? Because the blood of Christ covers it all. And them he justified, he also glorified. You know what? That's why the Bible says we're seated in the heavenlies. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. God, what a God we serve who has it all planned out. Nothing is left to chance. Nothing's up in the air. We know. That's how I can sing. I'm on the winning side with conviction because I know that I know that I know. Verse 3 of our text. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is Jesus praying, and he's saying, Father, you gave me power over all flesh, that those that you gave me 
might have eternal life. He said, and this is what life eternal is, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, getting sinners saved is the one burden on the heart of Jesus. There's a lot of people in this world who, who says, well, if, you, if you're not trying to, trying to uh, help the poor, if you're not trying to help the poor get, get you know, there's, there's inequality. If you're not trying to help the poor be middle class and the rich be middle class and get everybody on equal footing, then you're not doing God's work. That's what, at least that's what the liberals think. But Jesus didn't come for, for income equality. So people say, you don't care about the environment. You're not a good... How could you be a Christian and not care about the environment? God didn't come to save the environment. He's going, matter of fact, God's going to be the worst destroyer of the environment that you've ever seen at one point. Amen? He's going to destroy it all. He's going to burn it up. You talk about global warming. You just wait till God gets through with this stuff. They're going to think global warming when it all burns up with the fervent heat, won't they? Amen? No. Getting sinners saved. Listen, God's not interested in people turning over new leaves. God's not interested in people agreeing with their higher power as they understand Him. Y'all know anything about that? That's AA talk. God is interested in people getting saved, getting born again, becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus' heart beat for. Getting sinners saved is the one reason, the only reason that he came into this world. That's it. That's the reason. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. <clears throat> That's his singular purpose. Lord, it ought to be ours. Seeing people saved trying to get people to come to Christ. The Bible tells us that that's the greatest thing we could ever do. The Bible says in Daniel 12, 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness. You know how you do that? You show them who's righteous. You show them how they can have his righteousness. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. God wants us to bear the glory in heaven. God intends for us to share in that glory in heaven. But the glory comes when we ourselves adopt that singular practice. Caring about lost souls. Above all, Jesus said in verse 4, I've glorified thee on the earth. Now listen, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have finished the work. Every prophecy fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle, he checked it off. Everything that was prophesied, he fulfilled it. He comes to the Father now in this high priestly prayer. Again, he's high priest and sacrifice. He comes to the Father in this high priestly prayer. And he says, Father, I have done everything 
that you asked me to do. Father, I'm asking for the thing I paid for. I've, I've paid the price. The price, the price, everything you've required, everything. So, Lord, I'm, Father, I'm asking you to give me what I've paid for. He's asking for his, for his own. He's asking this for the glory to come down upon him. Why? Because it is to come upon his disciples as well. It's to come up, he's to share that with them. He finished the work that the Lord gave him to do. I like what Dr. Harry Ironside, if you don't know who Harry Ironside is, he followed D.L. Moody at Moody's Church. He said this about this subject. He said he had not one regret. If anyone doubts the deity of our Lord, let him think of Christ's record. He lived down here and he never had one regret. Never said one word he had to apologize for. Never did one thing he later wished he hadn't done. Never made one mistake. Never stumbled once on all the rocky pathway from the manger of Bethlehem to the cross of Calvary. How different from ourselves. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Have we even begun to do the work that God's given us to do? Have we been busy about the work that God has given us to do? Do we aim before we lay it down on this earth to finish the work that God has given us to do? You may say, well, I don't know if that's even possible. Well, let me just remind you of what the Apostle Paul said. 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, For I am now ready to be offered... And the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Did he do it perfectly? No, he couldn't do it the way Jesus did it perfectly. But he did this. He forgot those things which are behind. He pressed toward those things which are before, which we just got through talking about the other night. He's leaning in. Reaching forward, I've kept the faith. I've kept my eyes on the Lord. I, 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 set about, I set about to teach people the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I fought a good fight. It was a battle. The devil was against me the whole way. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, he said I can't know if I can say like Paul, I fought a good fight. He said, but I can say I was in a good fight. Don't know if I fought a good fight, but I was in a good fight. Amen. I'll tell you, that's the way I'll say it too. I've been in a good fight, but I can't tell you I fought a good fight, but I sure have tried. Amen. In verse 5, and we're about done. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Remember, Jesus had to set all that aside when he came down here. Christ had always been with the Father. Over in Proverbs, it talks about he was daily, he was his, he, he was his delight before him. And he set all that aside. I mean, for 33 years, he had walked on this dirty, filthy earth amongst ungodly men who had treated him 
very ugly, who treated him with bitterness and hatred, who despised him and sought a way to destroy him. He's about to go home. He's about to, again, stand in the presence of the Father. And I can tell you this. He was ready to go home. You talk about homesick for heaven. Our Savior was homesick for heaven. He didn't shrink back at what was before him. No, he he yearned for it so that he could pay salvation's price, so that he could give to us the ministry of reconciliation, so that he could go and sit next to the Father and intercede on our behalf, so that he could go and send his Spirit to be with us, to give us power and guidance all the way through. Jesus was looking forward. He was looking forward with a singular purpose. And I say to you this morning that you and I, we need to look forward with the same singular purpose. Not that we're to die because we can't die for sinners, but we are to lay our lives down for others. We are to, we are to submit at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm here. Sinners need to be saved. I'm a child of God. It pleases my Father. Lord, you said, you said that you want me to share in your glory. I know it'll be someday over there, but there's got to be a reason why we share in it. Listen, if we go to, if we go to heaven empty-handed, there's not a lot of glory to share. I mean, yes, there's the glory of Christ, but did we even participate? It's imperative that we seek the salvation of sinners. Christ prayed for us. Christ prayed for us, for for us to to have his power. He prayed for us. And we're going to see all that he prayed. We haven't even begun to, to touch upon what he prayed for his people. But I want you to understand something. Jesus, Jesus embraced the suffering. Jesus embraced what was before him. Even though even though he had to go through pain and suffering and, and travail, yet what did it bring about? Our salvation. Just as a woman when she goes into labor, she's not she's not looking forward to the pain and the suffering that she's got to go through and the agony. No, she looks forward to that one sound. That baby's cry which relieves her to her core. Let me tell you something. The Lord's looking forward to a cry too when we see him face to face. And we rejoice evermore. Don't don't wait. Don't wait for that day. Rejoice now. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because you have the Spirit of God living in you to empower you, to guide you, to keep you in the truth to give you God's power to speak the truth and righteousness. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. And oh, he did. The Father, let me, let me, just, let me just close let me just close with these thoughts. 
verse 5, it says, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You remember what Jesus told the Pharisees? When you get me on that cross, my Father will let you know who I am. Did the Father glorify the Son? Oh, yes, He did. You remember what happened as He was on that cross? And of course, we're going to go through all this as we go through as we go through these messages. But the lights of the heaven went out. God the Father glorified the Son in showing that the light of the world was dying on the cross, and the lights of the universe went out. What else happened? The veil of the temple ripped from top to bottom demonstrating the way to God is no longer into the Holy of Holies, that Jesus Christ has opened it, that we may come boldly to the throne of grace. What else happened? The earthquake. The graves came open. The dead came out and walked around. Can you imagine being at home that day? And your grandmother, who you buried 30 years before, is knocking on your door... You open the door and there she is. Must have been some kind of something that day. That's the power of God. That's resurrection power. God glorified the Son. Amen. And every time you and I open our lips to speak of salvation, the Father glorifies the Son. Let's continually do that. Let's stand together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the message. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the truth. And Lord, I thank you for my Savior. I thank you, Lord, that there was no hesitation on his part. He went willingly, joyfully, not looking at the suffering he would have to endure, Lord, but, in, but looking forward to the joy that he would experience on the other side. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we not look at the hardships of this life and, and, and say, well, this kept me and that kept me and another thing kept me from serving God. Oh, Lord, may we just look forward to the glory that's to be revealed in us someday. Lord, may we make a commitment that we will serve you and submit ourselves to you. Lord, may we, may we come and, and submit and the Lord say, I, I'm yours. Take me and do with me as you will. Lord, as the old hymn says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Lord, I ask you to work in this invitation now. Have your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse uh, number 209, number 209. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life. To ransom thee, surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go.
go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's sing that second verse. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know, and in that will I now abide. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let me hear you sing it. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he I'll go, I'll follow my Christ who loves me so, wherever he leads I'll go, amen. I hope that's your heart's desire, I really do, because that's truly what God wants. He wants us to be willing to, to Lord, whatever you want. That's what I'll do. God never mistreats you. I want you to understand that. God won't ever mistreat you. God won't ever do anything but, but seek your good. That's what he meant when he said that in Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good. And some of them are not pleasant as others. But you know what? We know. We don't hope or think. We know that God is in control. And he's got it all planned out. Amen. I hope you have a blessed afternoon. We'll be back here at 6 tonight, and uh, we'll be back in the commandments of Christ, talking about our our obligations to God. And uh, look forward to that tonight. So let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Be dismissed, and I'll see you back here this evening. Grant, dismiss us in prayer. Father, we come to you, Lord, and just thank you for your word. This morning, we're we heard today, another day, we heard the word, we continue to linger in our hearts and our minds. We do not need each day to form closer to your image. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.